The following audio is from Pathway Community Church. More information about Pathway Community Church is available at www.pathwaycommunity-church.org. Our hearts are heavy because this past week we watched a horrendous video of a police officer in Minnesota putting his knee on George Floyd's neck and ended up killing him. And that was horrendous. I could hardly watch that. And that's just on the heels of a few months ago, Ahmaud Arbery, an African-American man in Georgia, was out for a jog and ended up being shot to death. Now listen, racism has been a part of our country, and it is not a good thing. But we've seen examples of this and, and escalations of this in recent days. And, and it just, man, this is, it is wrong. Racism is wrong. It is a sin to discriminate against any other human being. And so I just want to say a few words about this, right? As Christians, we believe that God has created every human being in the image of God. Regardless of skin color, we are all created in the image of God, and each of us deserves to respect and honor and love one another equally. No discrimination. And so what happened this week was wrong. But but at the same time, I want to encourage us through this to do a couple things. First of all, to examine our own hearts and ask God to show us if there is racism in our own hearts and where there might be racism in our social media posts. And where we might be discriminating against other people because we don't like them or we have a a, a prejudice against them. That the Lord would would show us first where that might be in our own hearts. The second thing I want to call us to do is to pray. Right? There's rioting and looting going on across our country. And that's a serious thing right now. And it's destructive. and, And people are angry. And they're taking it out. And so we, we need to, as Christians, come together and pray and seek the Lord and, and to pray for peace to come to our land and also for God to show us how he wants us to respond in a righteous way to stand up for the oppressed and for the fatherless and what, what our response should be. And so our first response as a church needs to be let's get on our knees and let's pray together. Today I know there's different opportunities to pray. I think Franklin Graham's calling today a national day of prayer. I think I think Ann Graham Lotz is praying together with women today. And so let's pray together as a church, even in your families. Let's be praying, praying for peace, praying for, for, for people to come to know the peace of God and, and for God to show us what's going on in our hearts and for us to confess our sins and to make that right so that we can be the church. May the church come together and rise up at this time as one church with one voice under Christ Jesus as our Lord. And so we need to be praying together. So with that in mind, would you join me? And I just want to pray for us now. Let's, let's pray. Lord, Lord, we are angry today about the injustice that we've witnessed just, just this week in our country. We're angry about the racism that we see in our country. But Lord, would you show us where we have racism in our hearts Would you show us where we too are guilty of of injustices and using our positions to take advantage of others and even hurt them? Lord, before before we condemn others, which it's so wrong what we've seen, would you also show us where we have injustice and racism in our lives? And Lord, would you then bring those to to justice that, that have hurt others? Would you bring about your justice, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven? 
And Lord, would you help us as a church to come together and to love others the way that you have loved us. Lord, would you have mercy on us. Lord, we're angry about the heinous way George Floyd was wrongly treated and killed. Will you comfort the Floyd family? Will you bring justice to the police officers involved? We ask that you bring an end to systemic racism in our country, Lord. We, we, we long to see it put to death. We know brothers and sisters are victims of systemic racism. Would you comfort them? Would you protect them? Would you help them to know that their worth and value comes from you? And would you help us to encourage them and reach out to them? And Lord, would you have mercy on us? And Lord, we are deeply concerned about the rioting and the looting going on in our country. And we ask that you would bring an end to that, that you would raise up godly leaders, men and women who look to you and have your wisdom to lead our country through this. Would you allow the church, your church, to rise up and to lead the way? Would you help us to come together during this time and use this time in a way that would, would unite us as a church, black and white and Hispanic and, and, and people of all colors, Lord, that we would come together as one church and we'd lead the way. Lord, have mercy on us. And Lord, between COVID and now it feels like with these riots and looting, that our country is out of control, but we know, Lord, that you are still in control today. And so we look to you, we turn to you, we humble ourselves before you. Would you help us to be the church you call us to be? And today, on this Pentecost Sunday, we do pray for an outpouring of your spirit, for a filling of your spirit, that you would fill us as your people to love you and to love others the way you have called us to love. Lord, there's no, nowhere else we have to turn but you. And so we look to you together today, we worship you together, and we cry out to you, Lord. We pray to you because you are our help, you are our rock, you are our salvation. Come, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, church, if you would, open your Bible to Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 to 21. That's where we're going to land this morning, Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 to 21. And um, you know this already, but I'm an American citizen. I was born in America. I've been raised in America, like many of you. And I listen, I am thankful for the freedoms that we have in this country. I'm thankful for the freedoms that people have sacrificed their lives so that we can have. Men and women that have fought and died and, and given their lives and served so that we can have freedoms in America that we are so thankful to be a part of. The, and, and I'm thankful for that today. But in recent years, there has been a growing division in this land. We've seen it just continuing to increase and multiply. There's a growing division. And we are divided by red and blue, Republicans and Democrats. There's a divide there. We're divided by black and white. There, there's division in our land. And these divisions are not just out there, but these divisions are also in the church. And, and I would even be so bold to say in our church. And listen to me, church, COVID-19 is not the problem. COVID-19 has only exacerbated the divisions that were there before COVID-19 hit. 
COVID-19 has only brought to the surface and, and, and magnified what was already there. There was division politically. It's brought those to the surface. There's division. in if you had going into COVID, if you had problems in your marriage, that's brought that to the surface because you've had to spend the last three months together. If you had problems with parenting, COVID-19 has brought that to the surface. Wherever there's been weak points or divisions, COVID-19 has brought those out and, exe- and those have been magnified. And so that's why this morning that we're starting a series called Citizens of Heaven, Residents of America. Now listen, my concern is that we, the church in America, live, hear me on this, as American citizens first and as citizens of heaven second at best. But those who call themselves Christians... If you, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, this is not biblical to live as an American citizen first and a citizen of heaven second or third or wherever it might be down the list. Actually, that's called idolatry in scriptures. And so my hope through this series, and we're going to spend all summer on this, and I'm like, wow, God, you, you set this up. I was praying about what to preach on, and, and a couple weeks back, or almost a month ago, he put this on my heart. I'm like, wow, do we need this more than ever now? So during this series, we're going to look at what does it mean to be a citizen of heaven? And not just like, wow, I can't wait till I get to heaven someday. And boy, that's going to be great. But what does that mean to live that out here and now today? As a citizen of heaven, right here in this country, living in America, in this time, in this place. Yes, we're residents of America. Yes, we're citizens of America. But what I want to, my hope and prayer by the end of this series is that we'll, we'll begin to think from a new worldview, from a Christian biblical worldview, that when things happen, we think first, how should we respond as citizens of heaven? How should we act as citizens of heaven? Not, how should I act as an American? How should I respond as an American? May God's kingdom come and may his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And may we be part of seeing that happen as a church. So that's my introduction. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 to 21. We're going to read that passage and then we're going to jump into the text. Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul, brothers, Sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory. They glory in their shame with their minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. The Word of God. For years, 
I grew up thinking that the letter to the church at Philippi, the book of Philippians, is all about joy. Maybe you heard that too, right? Jesus, others, and you. I mean, that's really a good way to think about it, but, but I used to think that. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's in prison for preaching the good news about Jesus, and he's writing to these different churches that he started, and so he's writing to the church at Philippi, which he helped to start, and he's writing, to, I was told, to tell them to be joyful in their suffering, and, and, and you know, like buck up and be joyful. You're like, you know, there's, there's more important things. And, and so that was the theme of the book. And I, I, listen, it's important and it's, it's good to, to be joyful and we want to be joyful, but, but it's like, there's something behind that. That's like, well, what is it that would make us joyful in the midst of hardships? What is it that allows us to be joyful when we're facing difficulties and and we're going through hard times? Like, how is that possible? And and I realized as I was studying for this series that there's something even deeper going on in the book of Philippians, the letter to the Philippians, that we need to understand. It's going to shape us and shape this series. Here it is. It's, it's five words. I just read it. It's in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Here it is. You ready? Our citizenship is in heaven. Say that with me. Five words. Our citizenship is in heaven. Listen, Paul was a prisoner in Rome. And he's writing to the Philippian church. Philippi was a city in Macedonia about 800 miles away from Rome. But when he wrote, our citizenship is in heaven, the Christians living in Philippi immediately understood what he was talking about because of the words that he was using there for citizenship. See, Philippi was a Roman colony. The Roman Empire was the big dog at that time. And they went across the the Mediterranean world and they conquered cities and they came into cities and they took over cities and they established colonies in all these places across the Mediterranean world where a colony was, it was, you spoke the same language of Rome, you dressed like Romans, you did the culture of Rome, you obeyed Rome. It was like when you were in one of these colonies like Philippi, it was like being in Rome. A Roman colony. Philippi was a Roman colony, a community of people that had a common language and customs and values and and, And like you were in Rome when you went there. And so when he says we are citizens of heaven, what he was saying, they're like, wow, we get that. Like just like we are, you know, in a Roman colony and, and we understand what that's like, even though Rome is 800 miles away from us. Like a citizen in heaven is somebody who's creating a colony with ways of living and values and customs that are like our home, which is in heaven, which is above. It's like he's saying you're citizens of heaven. And that should shape how you live here on earth. Like we should be creating colonies of heaven right here on earth in the midst of America. Like pathway should be a colony of heaven on earth. Your home should be a colony of heaven on earth. If you work in, wherever you work in a business and, you know, by your conduct and and if you're there with one or two, your workplace should be a colony of heaven on earth. So how does a citizen of heaven live? 
here in America. If you've been born again of the Spirit of God, if you are called a Christian, you take the name of Jesus, you're a citizen of heaven. So how do we live as citizens of heaven here in America? Well, that's the question we're going to spend the rest of the summer answering. And this morning, from this text we just read, I just want to give us three specifics from this passage to show us how do we live here on earth, here in America, as citizens of heaven. Here they are, okay? Three of them. First of all, citizens of heaven continually strive to know Jesus better. Now, I wish we were all sitting in the same room today and I could see that you all had your Bibles out and we were looking at the passage together because I'm just going to walk you backwards through this text to show you something that it's important to see here. So I'm going to assume you have your Bible open and you're, you're following along. Okay, here, let's just look at the text, right? So verse 20 of chapter 3, it says, But our citizenship is in heaven. What is the but there for? You have to ask that but, okay? It's, it's because of what came just before that, verses 18 and 19, right? So he says there, For many of whom I have often told you and tell you even with tears... Like Paul is, is, is weeping over this, that many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, and they glory in their shame. Like, like their minds are set on earthly things. So, but our citizenship, so, so for these, there's these people that, that are living enemies of the cross and glorying in their shame, what should be shameful, and, and their stomach, their desires are what control them, and they're living to meet their desires. And he's like, you know, that's how they're living, but our citizenship is in heaven. Like, we're not like that. So there's two things, for and but, two different reasons, one negative and one positive. And so it's like, well, why are we not to live like this, but we're to live as citizens of heaven? So you got to back up even further. Look at verse 17. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example they have in us. So Paul is saying to follow my example and to follow the examples who, of those who, who live like I'm living and then he goes on to give these two reasons. Why? Because there are many who live as enemies of the cross, but we are citizens of heaven, okay? But what exactly is the example that we're supposed to follow that Paul's talking about here, right? Well, we've we got to back up further, okay? Are you walking with me through the passage? Here we go. Verses 12 to 16. Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider to have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on to take hold of the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of you who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold to the truth that we've attained. So did you hear it? Like, like a, Paul said, like a runner. He, you're like running, right? He, he's forgetting what's behind. He's striving. You hear the, the, in that language in there? He's pressing on towards a goal. Everything in his life, he is consumed with this one goal, this one thing that he's pressing on. He's striving towards. You say, what is that? Is it getting rich? 
Is it making money? Is it having a nice house? Is it, is it working hard and long hours so I can have more stuff? I mean, what is it? Back up again, right? Here we go. This is it. This is it. Verses 10 and 11. That I may know him, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death that I may by any means possible attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul's consuming goal in his life is to know Jesus Christ better. And to know the fellowship of suffering with Jesus and to know the power of the resurrection that Jesus was raised from the dead, to know the power of the Spirit in his life, and, and to attain one day the hope of eternal life in heaven. Like, that is what consumed him. And you're sitting there thinking, well, man, that's Paul, and he's an apostle, and that's good for him, but that doesn't apply to me. Let me tell you this. He's saying, follow my example, church. Church, follow my example, and follow the others that are pursuing that as the goal of their life of knowing Jesus and follow their example as they follow my example. It's like, listen, church, the consuming goal of our life, if we are citizens of heaven, if you call yourself a Christian and you are a citizen of heaven, the consuming passion and goal of our lives is to know Jesus better and to know how he lives and to walk in the way he walked so we can live like him here. Why do we have to do that? Why does he say make that such an important thing? It's because he says many people don't walk in that way at all. In fact, they walk as enemies of the cross. Many people don't follow Jesus and the end is destruction. They, they, they live for their, the, the immediate here and now. Like, what do I want? What do I feel? What do I need? Well, give me, give me, give me. And I want to satisfy my flesh and I want to be happy. And, and he's like, that's the culture we're surrounded by. And so you have to make that the primary goal of your life and you have to press on in that. Because otherwise, you know what will happen? Have you ever been in a, in a river and you tried to go upstream, like you're paddling your kayak or your canoe, and you're trying to make your way upstream? And, and you know, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, I went a while back to the DePage River. I mean, this is like a year ago and had a kayak. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go upstream a little bit, and then I'm going to come back down. And it wasn't even that hard a current. And, man, I was I was tired. You got to make it a priority because otherwise, you know what happens if you're just kind of coasting in this life and you're just saying, ah, man, it's too hard to press on to know Jesus better. You're just going to float downstream like everybody else. And so he's like, why do we make this a consuming passion? Why do we have to say, I got to know Jesus and how Jesus would live? Like, I got to figure out how would Jesus respond to COVID-19? I mean, what does the Bible say about that? Like, I got to know that. I got to understand that so I can respond the way Jesus would respond. What would Jesus do about wearing masks? Like, man, I hate masks or masks are, you know, unscientific or whatever. It's like, well, what would Jesus do? I think Jesus would say, you know what? You know, think about others more highly than yourself and and put on the mask, even though you don't want to wear it because you're thinking of other people ahead of yourself. What 
What about this, the, the rioting? What about the, the, the racism? What would Jesus do? Like, get to know Jesus. What does his word say? How are we to respond? Otherwise, you're just going to get caught up in the current of the culture, and you're just going to go right downstream with them. And then he says the other reason, the positive, is because we're citizens of heaven. And as citizens of heaven, we live differently. We live differently. Other places we see in Scripture, we're called strangers and aliens in this world. We are to live countercultural lives in this world so that we put Jesus on display and that he is glorified by the way that we live. So strive to know Jesus better. That's how citizens of heaven live. You still with me? I, I hope you're still there. We're looking at three ways that uh, this passage calls citizens of heaven to live, right? And, and if you know Jesus and you claim to be a Christian, then this is how citizens of heaven live. Secondly, citizens of heaven follow, follow the customs of heaven here on earth. Right? Our home is in heaven, right? That, that's where we're going, but we, we live and follow that here and now. And, and so Philippians 3.20 again, what's it say? But, say it with me, our citizenship is in... I, I hope if you don't remember anything else, you get that today. Because if our citizenship is in heaven, then we're going to live different lives here in America. Three implications of what it means that our citizenship is in heaven. I want to, want to show those to you. Now, before I get to the first one, uh, I went to Nepal uh, a few years back, a number of years back now, after they had this major earthquake. And then we took a team with us from Pathway, and we went to Nepal, and we were able to go there and serve and help them. And um, Man, we got over there, and I remember just seeing the devastation and they had serious infrastructure problems and I found out they had serious political problems and, and, and they have serious economic problems and, and it's like, wow, wow. I mean, and, and the Nepalis that were there, I mean, like they're, that, like that's what they're, they're every day and that's what they're caught up in and, and it's just, wow, living in that. And, and so I got to go into that and I saw that, but, but I wasn't, I wasn't affected the same way. And, and it's like, well, you know, you say because you don't live there, right? Well, you know, but I think it's bigger. I think it's because, you know what, I'm not a Nepali citizen. I'm an American citizen. And so going in as an American into that other country, I was able to look at it a little differently. And I was able to see that from a different vantage point. And I wasn't so wrapped up and caught up in the, what was going on that I could kind of understand and see and, and even be able to help. Now, listen, listen. How much more if we are citizens of heaven and we really find our identity in that, are we able to, to look at the circumstances in our world and in America and have a different perspective on those things because we're not so wrapped up as American citizens and, and residents of this earth that we can see things from a different vantage point? Now, hear me on this, right? I don't want you, oh, he's just saying like, okay, citizens of heaven, no big deal. Doesn't, you know, we just kind of like, ah, oh, so what? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying being a citizen of heaven frees us up from being so consumed with, with our culture and where we're at that we're able to now live and act and love in a way that we're called to do that. And so here's the first thing that we see, the implication of this is our homeland is in heaven. This world is not our home. 
America is not our home. Heaven is our home, and we are strangers and aliens here. We are only foreigners here. Yes, there are many disturbing things going on in America today. And yes, we care about those. And yes, there are great wrongs happening. But as citizens of heaven, we have to say, okay, how do we as as citizens of heaven live and act and speak in a way that brings heaven to earth in the midst of this instead of being so wrapped up in it and so involved in it that we're like, we can't even be any better or more effective than the people next to us. I'm afraid sometimes we get so absorbed in the systems of this world that we fail to live as citizens of heaven. I'm afraid we get so consumed with our politics. Listen, I'm not saying we're going to talk about it. We need to vote. We need to be involved in the political process. But we get so consumed with it, it becomes an idol in our lives that now we're not able to be the citizens of heaven that we're called to be. I hope you're still there. We're probably like by the minute losing people on this uh, live feed today. But um, listen, our homeland is in heaven. Here's the second thing, the implication of our citizenship being in heaven. Our king is in heaven. Where is Jesus Christ today? Seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father, right? In heaven. And Colossians 3, 1 to 3, I love Colossians 3, 1 to 3. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, have you been raised with Christ? Are are you in Christ today? If you have, then, I love it, think about things that are above. Seek things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on the things of the earth. For you've died and your life is now hidden with God in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean you're so heavenly minded. You know how it goes that you're no earthly good. No, that's that's not what we're talking about here. We're saying we're so heavenly minded that we are earthly good to the max. Listen, our leader, our president, our king is not in Washington, D.C. He is in heaven, and his name is Jesus. And we take our marching orders from him, and we listen to him, and we do what he tells us to do because we want to know him better. And we say, you know, what does the word of God say? What does Jesus tell me to do? How does this line up with what what the government's telling me to do? How does this line up with what society's telling me to do? And, And we are... We pledge allegiance, first and foremost, to King Jesus. Yes, and we're going to talk about this. We obey our government leaders. We submit to those in authority over us because God's put them there for our good, provided that they're not directly contradicting what the Word of God says. We do it out of reverence for God. But I'm concerned right here. I was... Oh, my goodness. I'm concerned that we treat the word of God like another news feed. We spend so much time listening to Fox News or CNN. You you pick, right? I mean, I'm not saying don't watch the news. I'm not saying don't read the newspaper. But what if, like, just go with me on this, right? What if we read the Bible as much as we listen to the news feeds? 
What if we said, I need to know God and what his word says, and I need to be in this book, and I need to know what Jesus is telling me to do in response to these situations. What if we did that like half as much as we listen to the news or watch the news or spend time on social media interacting with people who have opinions about it? And it's like, wow, what if we did that? See, I think we just, we just treat the word of God like it's just another opinion. You know, Fox News has their opinion commentators. Uh, CNN has their commentators. You know, we read commentators in the paper or online. And it's like, yeah, it's just not one more opinion. This is not an opinion. This is the sovereign word of God that God himself spoke. And he told us this is how we're to live as citizens of this world until he comes again. And so we take our marching orders from him. Here's the third thing. Listen, listen up. What does it mean that our citizenship is in heaven? It means, hear me on this, our politics are in heaven. Now, there are only two times the word citizenship is used in the New Testament, the one that we see in Philippians 3.20. The other one is also over in Philippians 1.27. In the ESV Bible, it's translated to, to walk in a, a manner uh, worthy of the gospel. But, but it basically saying there is let your citizenship be worthy of the gospel. Let your heavenly citizenship be worthy of the gospel. Philippians 1.27. Our, our citizenship is in heaven, right? And so the word for citizenship, I found this is really cool. The word for citizenship in the original language in the Greek is the word that we get politics from. The word politics that we use today comes from the word here in this book for citizenship. And politics is all about power, right? It's about, you know, the, the, the power and who's got the power. And, and, and so when we say our citizenship is in heaven, we're saying our politics is in heaven. It means our power comes from the way of heaven and the way heaven operates, not from the way of this world. You say, well, what are the politics of Jesus? I mean, what are the po- I mean, honestly, if Jesus were here, I don't think he would be a Republican. I don't think he'd be a Democrat. He'd probably be an independent, and he'd probably on every issue, he'd say, okay, this is where I'm on this, this is where I'm at, because there's a lot of different issues. The power of heaven, the power of Jesus is this, that God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son so that those who believe in him might receive eternal life. The politics, the power of heaven is that I willingly surrender my rights. I willingly surrender who I am and, and, and what, I, you know, what I feel like are mine for the sake of others for love. I give them up freely out of love for others. That's the way of Jesus the gospel is, the, is love that Jesus willingly, Jesus willingly laid down his rights. He had the rights of heaven. He laid those down so he could save you and me. And he says, you're going to follow me. You've got to willingly lay down your rights for the sake of other people to love them. Thinking of the needs of others ahead of ourselves. That's, that's, that's the, the politics of heaven. Now, Thursday 
had a caring network board meeting. We actually were like, you know what, Zoom, we're kind of tired of Zoom. We had nine people on the board, and so we said, hey, let's, let's meet in person. So we said, we, can we meet at Pathways? So we met here in the sanctuary, and we moved the chairs back, and I tried to space the chairs like six feet apart. That's hard to do, by the way. When you come back and, and we're doing that here, you're, it's hard to do that. And so we sat six feet apart, and we all came in, and we had our mask on, right, because we're supposed to wear masks in public. But we got in here and we came and we sat down and we're like, okay, we're six feet apart. We can take our mask off. And so we took our mask off. We had our meeting. And then after the meeting, we get up. And so I put my mask back on and I go over and I'm going to talk to somebody else. And he didn't have his mask on yet. And he says to me, and he said to me, hey, do you want me? Listen, you're going to think this is just like crazy stuff, right? Do you want me to put my mask on? I'm like, what? Why would he ask that? Because he was thinking of me and my situation ahead of what he felt and what he needed. He might even think that it's crazy to wear masks. He might even think that wearing masks are unscientific because there's no evidence. Oh, man, is that helping us or not? But you know what he does? Because of the politics of heaven, because his citizenship is in heaven, he says, hey, do you want me to put this on uh, because I want to honor and respect you? Now you're thinking, man, that guy's like crazy about talking about mask. I just think it's honestly, it's ridiculous to me how difficult it has become that we have such a hard time with just wearing a mask. The politics of heaven, the power of heaven is dying to yourself and living for the good of others. That's what Jesus did, and as followers of Jesus, that's what we do as citizens of heaven. Here's the last point. Citizens of heaven eagerly wait for the return of our Savior, Jesus. We've been doing a lot of waiting recently, haven't we? Right, we've got uh, sports fans are waiting for their sports teams to come back. I mean, we're ready to see you know baseball again. We're waiting, right? We're waiting. COVID nineteen has all been all about waiting. We're, we're waiting for a vaccine. We're waiting for things to get better. We're waiting. And here's the thing: as we've been waiting for that, we've actually been changing how we've lived our lives until that happens. So how much more then do we, as we wait eagerly for Jesus to come back, our Savior, do we live differently as we eagerly wait and look forward to his return? So why are we waiting for a Savior? This is the last point. Now, I thought Jesus, you're saying, I thought Jesus came and he saved us when he died on the cross and rose again, and I trusted in him. So, so why do we need our Savior to come again? Here's two things in the text. First of all, if you look back to, the, to verse 18 and 19, it says, We see there the end of those who live for their desires and make their home on earth and, and live to glorify things that are shameful. It says the end of those people is destruction. And so we wait for a Savior to come to save us from the coming destruction. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10 says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us, get this, from the wrath to come. 
There is a wrath coming. There is a destruction that is coming on those who reject Jesus and whose hope is not in Jesus, but in themselves or in something or someone else. And there is a day of destruction coming. The wrath of God will be poured out against them. And we need a Savior who will deliver us, who will be the one who rescues us from that day of destruction. And so we are waiting and looking forward to his coming because he is the one who will save us on that day. Do you know Jesus? Do you know his Protection. Do you know his grace that will save you on that day of destruction? But here's the positive reason that we wait for Jesus to come back. It says at the end of this, verse 21, he will transform our lowly bodies, our fallen, broken bodies into the new bodies like his that are glorious. Like when Jesus returns. For those that know and love him, we're going to get new bodies to go with the the new nature that he's given us through his spirit. We're going to have bodies that don't break down, bodies that don't struggle with sin and temptation. We're going to have new glorified bodies, and and we wait for that. You know, when Jesus comes back, he's going to bring... perfection once and for all to his kingdom. And there's going to be no more division and there's going to be no more rioting and no more racism. And and we're going to have one church of every tribe and tongue and nation that's going to be unified together in Jesus in our glorified bodies. Like that's the day we're waiting for, man. Today, don't we? We need that day to come. And so we live like citizens of heaven here and now today. Not as American citizens first, but citizens of heaven first. And may God give us the grace. May God give us the power of his spirit to live that out. And to be the people that he's called us to be. Would you pray? Oh Lord, we need need you today. We sang about that earlier. Oh, how we need you. We need your help to live as citizens of heaven in this day. We need your help to live that out. And we also need your forgiveness as we have not lived the way you wanted us to. When, we, when we've been caught up in the ways of this world and the patterns of this world, Lord, would you forgive us? And Lord, would you reshape us and help us to see how we are to live as citizens of heaven? And would you help this church and would you help the churches across America to be colonies of heaven on earth that show the love and grace of Jesus so that you are glorified and that people come to know and love you. In Jesus' name, amen.